Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thought I'd give you a quiz today. I know you like pop quizzes. I'll make it easy on you. We'll go true, false, true, false. Jesus Christ went to the cross to destroy death to give you eternal life. True or false? Very good. If you said false, see me afterwards. True or false? Because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, your sins are forgiven. You are covered in the righteousness of Christ and you have been declared holy and just before the throne of the Almighty God. True or false? True or false? On the day of the resurrection, you will experience never-ending joy and peace and you will stand face to face with your Lord Jesus Christ. True or false? That's pretty good. Why do you let criticism bother you so much then? Why do you let the little things of life get to you so much? We already have the biggest of of the blocks put in place and you know that so very well. Why do we worry so much about our future? Why are we sometimes so unhappy with the way our life has turned out? You know the best part hasn't hasn't even begun to come yet. If you know all that, why are you so dissatisfied? Why do you run the risk of being discontent so often? You see, you just scored 100% on my little pop quiz. You got an A. So well-categorized you are. And yet you seem to be failing when it really comes to the important things of life, which is the, the living part. It's almost like we have our theology is just absolutely perfect, and then we walk out the building and we forget all about it. Our text for today is from the book of Philippians. One of the major themes is the power of the gospel, the power to sustain you in your life, to give you joy, to give you peace, no matter the surroundings. Paul writes in this, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. So that wasn't even a pop quiz, and you still get it. You're so excited about the quizzes that you're like, oh, I know it, I know it, I know it. Right? Rejoice always. But I know sometimes you're thinking, come on, Pastor, we can't rejoice in everything. Not in everything. Do you actually expect us to take that literally and rejoice in all things at all times? Do you expect us to rejoice even through tough times? Do you expect us to rejoice in the hard times? But why not? I mean, why not? It's a mindset, it's a zeitgeist, it's a a way of looking at the world. When I get up in the morning, I should do my devotions and sing my hymn, and as Luther says, joyfully go off to work. You have to remember when Paul writes these words, he's not on vacation. He's not on a Mediterranean cruise. His cruises, by the way, didn't always turn out that great. He's a prisoner in Rome. He is in a Roman dungeon as he pins these words. Yet Paul understands how powerful and how painful life can be. Listen to the rest of that statement. They are all servants of Christ and I am a better one. Am I talking like a madman with far greater labors? Far more imprisonments and countless beatings, often near death, 
Five times I've received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, lest one. Three times I was beaten with rods. I was once stoned. Three times I've been shipwrecked. A day and a night adrift at sea on frequent journeys. In danger from river, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, danger from false brothers and toils and hardships and through many sleepless nights and hunger and in thirst, often without food and in cold and in exposure. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. He knows what it's, he knows what it's like to, to get it rough. He knows how painful life can be. And despite all of this, here he sits in prison on trial for his life, writing to the Philippians and these astounding, astonishing words, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, and yet it's so difficult because we don't rejoice in all things at all times. We can't. You know, when I go to the pump and pull up, pull that thing out, put it in my car, there's the rejoicing is beginning because they're, hey, there's gas. You remember a couple years ago, we didn't have any. Couldn't find any at all. You'd be lucky to find any at all. At least have gas. It may be $40,000 a gallon or whatever it's up to now. But I have it. I don't rejoice in the Lord when the guy at the fast food forgets my fries. The fries are the best part. How hard is it to put fries in a bag? It's a burger and fries and a Coke. You drive off, you get home, you open the bag, there's just a burger. And then I think I'm too lazy to go back, so what will I do but grouse, complain? I do not rejoice when I take my clothes out of the wash and find out that I've washed a tissue in there as well, and so now that tissue is just in a thousand pieces in your pocket. You gotta take it out, it's all over the place. You just leave it there for the wife to clean up. Now she doesn't rejoice. She's like, where'd this mess come from? And I'm like, I don't know. It spontaneously erupted out of my pocket. I do not rejoice in the Lord when I wake up in panic because I realize that I didn't set my alarm for 7 a.m. I set it for 7 p.m. And I'm the last one in the house and I'm an hour late for work. There are times when we find it difficult to rejoice in the Lord. But they are relatively minor quite often. Why do we allow these minor inconveniences to, to destroy our, our, our day, to destroy our, our spirit, to make it look like we have no joy? We already live in a dark and depressed world where everybody, not everybody, but many people out there trying to divine their own reason for being happy and they're not doing a very good job. And then we come along grousing behind them. But Paul, unlike me, was able to rejoice in the Lord always. Paul is able to rejoice despite being repeatedly beaten and tortured and tried why? Because he keeps the first thing first. Just a moment, I'm going to read verses 8 through 9. And as I do, I want you to picture in your mind's eye Paul sitting in his prison cell writing these words. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the far 
the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, having found the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus Christ, a righteousness from God that depends upon faith, that I may know him, And the power of the resurrection, that I may share in his sufferings and become like him in death, that by means, by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. You see, where where Paul claims that he is pulling his strength from, what gave Paul hope in hopeless situations, he considers everything as lost compared to the greatness of knowing Christ. He compares everything not Christ to be rubbish. In the Greek, it's literally filth. It's filthy. It's disgusting. In other words, Paul is given strength and courage and hope and joy all because he knows Jesus Christ. And he knows that he will someday see him face to face. And he says here, this unmistakable goal of life is to obtain, by God's grace, the resurrection of the dead. Why? Because Paul knows that in that day of resurrection, he will finally be with his Lord and Savior, and his life will be truly complete. And once completed, it is in that perfected state of living with the Lord God forever and ever. So until he gets there, There will be hardships. There there will be troubles. There will be depressions. But don't let those things take take your eye off the goal. So how is Paul able to rejoice in the Lord? He's able to write these amazing words while sitting in prison. Here is the central teaching that I would like you to take home with you today. Knowing that he would one day be with his Jesus in the future and knowing for certain what his future would be. And knowing for certain what his future can be, what his future is going to be, can change how he interacts with the present. Because of the certain knowledge of future. One thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I strain forward for what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal the prize of the upward calling of Christ. You see, Paul knew that the prize was certain. Paul knew that that prize of eternal life was his. It was his present possession. And that's what gave him confidence to strain forward. That's what gave him confidence to press forward and to forget about the past mistakes. You see, what we know about our future can actually change our present. As an illustration, let's just suppose we have two men who have both been selected for a job. The job is difficult. It is terrible. 80-hour weeks, back-breaking work, disgusting, menial work. But they all signed their own contract, an individual contract. One of them said he would do the work of a year for $15,000. The other one held out for $15 million. Which one would you rather work with? The man who had signed the contract for $15,000 after getting into the work and realizing how bitter and awful and disgusting it was is probably going to end up quitting at some point because he simply doesn't think that it's worth all of the effort that he's put in. The one who's been paid $15 million at the end of his year, he's pretty happy about it. 
joyfully goes about his work. Every day whistling a happy tune, waiting for his year of service to be over. When you know your future, it can literally change your present. Especially if you keep that future in your eye, if you keep it in view. You know your future. You know where you're going. My friends, Jesus Christ went to the cross in order to destroy death, in order to give you the gift of eternal life. And because he has done this for you, your sins are forgiven. You have been covered in the righteousness of Christ. You have been declared holy before the judge of all. Before the throne of God, you have been declared not guilty. Of course, you already knew that. The important part is how do we keep in front of our faces every single day? Because Jesus has rose from the dead, you can be certain that you will rise as well. On the day of resurrection, you will experience never-ending joy and peace. You'll stand face-to-face with your Savior. To which he says, well done, good and faithful servant. We go forth in his name. Keep his words in our, upon, our, upon our foreheads upon our lips, upon our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.